Well, it's the last day of 2022, December 31st, 2022. Tomorrow starts a new year. But let's think back. Who had a good 2022? Who doesn't want to let go of 2022? I'll tell you who. Astros fans. Astros fans got themselves a World Series title for the ages. And someone who had as good a 2022 as you could possibly have is friend of the podcast and our guest here for the final show of the final day of the year. It's time for a little H-Town Wheelhouse showing up. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans and Happy almost new year. Happy end of 2022. This is indeed Locked On MLB, and I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, let's go with my lower third. Where'd it go? It's right there. Final lower third of 2022. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last... 10 some odd years, longer than that. And I'm tomorrow begins my fifth year. One, two, three, four, five. I caught that fish alive. This will be my fifth, 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 if I can get it out of my mouth, fifth year at the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, follow the show at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. I'm at Sully Baseball Podcast there. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Tell people about the show. People seem to like the year we had, and we're going to be moving forward. And uh, oh, also, um, if you have a smart device, be sure to tell it to play podcast Locked On MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. Like, let's come up with one just at random. Oh, yeah, Locked On Astros with Eric and H Town. And by the way, let's hear it for Eric and H Town, who had a fantastic 2022 just in terms of their show. They got great guests, great YouTube following, uh, and and you don't have to be an Astros fan to like it. You can actually hate the Astros, and people do, and still really enjoy their show because it's a really terrific show. And um, I just wish he could be here, but he can't. So thanks for listening, uh, and that's the end. No, he's in the waiting room right there. Brett Chancy, a.k.a. H-Town Wheelhouse. Happy almost New Year. How you doing, buddy? Oh, man, doing great, Sully. What an introduction. I mean, coming from someone like you to give us the praise you did, it means a lot. And we know it comes from the heart. And this year has been a grind for us. It's been record setting, not only for our Houston Astros, but for the show. We literally go into the new year officially at 1.3 million downloads on the season. That's and fantastic. We, we couldn't do it without our listeners. And like you said, we love all baseball fans. Even if you're not an Astros fan. And a lot of people out. aren't. Probably. A lot of people aren't. That's right. <laughs> but you know what, though? We, we got a lot of comments throughout the season about fans that were like, hey, you know, I'm a fan of this team, but I watch y'all show and I really enjoy it. So thank y'all for all the compliments. We appreciate the positive vibes. Well, yeah. I mean, look, at I, I, I've made no bones. I'm not an Astros fan. Although I did root for the Astros 
in both 2021 and 2022. Astro fans seem to always forget that when they say that I have, one person said I have pathological hatred for the Astros. And I said, I rooted for them in the World Series in back-to-back years. If that's, uh, never mind. But like, I mean, I listen to your show. I, li- I mean, I'm a native New Englander raised as a Red Sox fan, and I never miss Locked On Yankees. You know, I mean, it's, you you can, that's one of the great things is sometimes you want to hear from not just your team, but you want to hear from, from different perspectives, or you can listen to my show. We try to, we try to hit everybody here, but uh, yeah, this has been a, this has been a hell of a year for you that you, um, am, am I allowed to say, talk about the expanded, uh, the expanded roster? Yeah, okay. And I, I, I couldn't remember if you mentioned that this year, your podcast is going through the roof. Your team won the world series and you became a grandfather. That's right. I mean that's that, that's that's quite a year. I mean that right there, the grandfather part is actually the coolest part of all of these. Oh, I mean, don't BS me! It's the Astros winning. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But but for everything, and on top of the Astros winning, my son and I got to attend Game Six of the World Series, and we were blessed enough to see it in person, and that just really put the icing on the cake for us. By the way, um. Uh, it was it was heartwarming to see you and your son. You posted video online, um, and uh, uh, that was great. But uh, um, I, if I remember correctly, you had like a GoPro or something on your head. You had all sorts of. You were rigged had, up. You looked like I a mo a, a mocap man. Because <laughs> our seats were the very last row in Minute Maid Park, and right behind right. us was an air conditioner which you only feel apparently if you're standing by it. And my neck was frozen. I felt like I was cold the entire game. So I put the towel where it was draped over my neck. I had the GoPro cam over my head. And half the GoPro footage is actually of Minute Maid Park ceiling and not the field. I did get Jordan Alvarez's home run where he's like, this game is turned upside down. I actually got that on film. But yeah, we were wild. We were crazy. I shed a few tears. My son goes, dad, are you crying? And I said, yes, son, I am crying and it's perfectly fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Yeah. By the way, I have to say when my, when my beloved Red Sox won the world series in 2004, um, my, my wife was pregnant with our two boys. And for that period of time between the Red Sox victory and the birth of my children, I could say this is the happiest day of my life. Uh, when oh, the yeah. won the world. So then I could say the birth of my kids. Right. But uh, that, that's neither here nor there. That's a dark joke for those who are saying, but hey, look at you can't have a better year. And look at I mean, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm just going to be positive staying forward, but I'll just say there is a, there was, how do I say this without getting hate mail from Astros fans? This was a World Series that no one could say a bad thing about the Astros about. This is a Correct. World Series that you can say, all right, say what you want. What about this one, huh? We won back-to-back pennants. We won this one, and the Astros look like they're saying, we're going to go for three pennants in a row. What do you think of that, huh? What do you think of that? Yeah, watch us. We'll win without, you know, and, and you know, obviously one of the main reasons I was rooting for them was because Dusty Baker, you, impossible to not root for Dusty Baker, and to have, that was a storybook thing for me, and that he came into an impossible situation with the scrutiny and the vitriol and an entire nation waiting to crash this team and that he kept the team focused. 
he kept to say, this is what we're doing, and oddly changed the culture, even though there were a lot of players who, you know, the Bregmans and the Altuves and the people were still on the team. It felt like a different team. Yeah. It just, the character, the, 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 just the flavor of the team and the way, even if they handled themselves, it, it felt different than 2017. Even before we knew everything was going on back behind the scenes, and this was a sense of let's, the best way to put this behind us and in a way to shut some people up is to say, all right, what if we just keep winning? How, now what do you say? And and I think a lot of that came from Dusty. I think also a lot of it came from uh, Crane. And a lot of it came from the ownership saying, okay, let's stay focused. And we're looking at, I mean, right now they are – the they've got to be considered the favorite to win the pennant again, and that would be three straight World Series appearances. It would be uh, after after everything. I mean, it was, it's even going to be a better run. And so, anyway, tell me your thoughts because that, that's just from my point of view. And you know that we've we've locked antlers on this a little bit, but yeah, this the, the the feeling of the team just feels a lot different from from an outsider's perspective. Right. When you look at this team, when you look at the players we lost, and let's start there, Carlos Correa, George Springer, Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton, um, you know, Dallas Keuchel, even, you know, he was in his prime, you know, he walked. We've had all these players walk, and now we've had Justin Verlander just walk, okay? So, but this team's never lost its identity in the midst of losing these great players. And most teams can handle maybe one guy leaving, but when you have three or four leave and you continue to win and you continue to create a culture of winning, it says a lot about the ownership, who they put in place, the culture they build, and the foundation they lay. And I think this was a prime team for someone like Jeremy Pena to step up in the stead of Carlos Correa. He played a lot of the year like they're like, like, what was the pressure? Like, who's pressuring me? I'm just out here playing baseball because he said in spring training, I'm not here to replace anybody. I'm here to be Jeremy Pena. And, you know, Jose Altuve dubbed him the next superstar. And now Jeremy Pena has pretty much become like J.J. Watt was when he was a Texan. Let me tell you, when J.J. Watt was here, J.J. Watt could walk on water and he could do nothing wrong. Jeremy Pena has touched that stratosphere just in one rookie season, which is pretty profound. On top of that, Dusty Baker has got to get a ton of credit because leading into the playoffs, there was always a lot of criticism about his lineup structure and who is pitching and who he pulled him out and all that stuff. But he ran an absolute master class in the playoffs, and the Astros only lost two games. Yeah. Had McCullers and JV had stellar performances in those two games they lost, they could have very much swept the postseason. Yeah, And this was a team that, Sully, you look at the lineup and you look at Jordan Alvarez, you look at Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve hit 920 OPS. That was his goal this year to hit over 900. Bregman came back and was solid even in the playoffs. And the relief pitching core, I mean, after you get past the starters, look at the relievers. It, it just, everything worked. And so many times in baseball, and we even talked to David Sampson, who used to be president of the Marlins recently. And he said the Marlins problem was they would get great hitting and have no pitching. They would get great pitching and have no hitting. He said the Astros, they have it both. We have both of those things. 
and everything fell into place this year. And a lot of times you need not only talent and chemistry, but you also need a little luck. And I think along the way they got strokes of luck, but their talent was really what sent them over the edge. And it was, it was a phenomenal year to watch uh, the Houston Astros. And there's no reason to think why they shouldn't be in the mix once again in 2023. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I thought was, a, a gr- I love redemption stories and Dusty Baker, who obviously wherever he goes, they go to October. He took the Giants, the Cubs, Cincinnati, Washington, Houston, all of his teams that he's managed has gone there. And notice none of them have been a New York team, none of them have been an L.A. team. And he has done that, although he did win a ring in L.A. as a player. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, but, you know, he was always criticized for how he handled his pitching staff. And it's strange. He was handled – he was he was trashed in San Francisco for taking pitchers like, you know, Russell Tease out too soon. And they was trashed in Chicago for taking – for leaving uh, um, uh, prior in too long. Um, there's, there's always moments where he was criticized for that and he got critics on him for some of the stuff that happened in one of the, in the the, the two losses to Philadelphia. And so what did he, what happened in game four, a combined no hitter that he made the decisions of when to pull one to that and for, for a no hitter. And I think that that, that being done on his watch, I think it was one of the, I just great redemption story in terms of killing a certain narrative, but also, you know, one of the things that that the Astros had. You and I talked about this when we were when you were a guest on my show, and uh, it was either late August, or early September, that their pitching depth. You say they have they had workhorse pitchers, but they also had a solid bullpen. When it's done right, those can feed off of each other. A solid rotation means you're not wearing down the bullpen. A reliable bullpen means you don't have to pitch the starters until their arms fall yeah. off. That was the Tory Yankees, and Tory made some weird pitching decisions too. But you always knew they were going to throw a good starting pitcher to give you six or seven, but you knew reliable people, but you didn't have to grind Rivera to the ground or have him through. Rivera very seldom led the league in saves, you know, because, you know, Tory wouldn't, bring up, you know, wouldn't have him save three or four games in a row. He wanted him ready for October. And you saw how he handled things. Yeah, part of me is like, yeah, keep Valdez in. Keep Valdez in. Keep <laughs> Christian Javier and Christian yeah, But how did it go for them? And you know and I know Valdez should have been the World Series MVP. No offense to Jeremy Pena. It was Framber Valdez was the World Series MVP. But, but also one other thing, a lot of times – Players come in as rookies and say things like, oh, I'm here to just be me. That's a really very – that's something you hear in spring training a lot. But right. it's another thing to do that to the World Series podium. And that reminded me a lot of Jeter when Tony Fernandez got injured and they you know, rushed Derek Jeter to be the starting shortstop. And he was – you know they won the World Series that year. He got big, big hits, partially aided by um, Jeffrey Mayer. But um, – but he took over for Tony, by the way, for Tony Fernandez, who was a borderline Hall of Famer. You know, he was a tremendous player, the late Tony Fernandez. But uh, look at with this team intact, um, I'm not a betting man, but I may put some money down on the Astros. And no better place to put your money down than to go to Bet Online. Bet Online remains 
your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball, the World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even have those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. <laughs> I like the jingle there. I didn't know we were uh, – does that, does that get you extra, like, ad money? Well, I have the sheet music in front of me, so that's what I do. <laughs> we are celebrating oh, – we're celebrating New Year's Eve with uh, Brett Chauncey, a.k.a. Uh, H-Town Wheelhouse. You don't want 2022 to end because, no. you know, that's now – that is – Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going for a few more days. Nope, we only have a few more hours left of 2022, but no better person you, to send it off with. Question, do you watch the ball drop out there in California because – I always see like when the when the ball drops in New York City, it's already happened. Like we 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 get yeah. it like an hour later. Do you guys in California watch that stuff out there, or is it yeah, like we do. Yeah, I mean, I lived in New York for a long time. I grew up outside of Boston, so we always watched it live growing up. Uh, it's funny, my kids would watch it. They show it live. They show it at nine p.m. Right. here, and my kids would watch it and say, "Okay, good night," and go to bed. And the, the year would change while they're asleep. Um, I always stay up, but sometimes it, I'm usually in the San Francisco Bay Area for New Year's, and they have a celebration in San Francisco uh, where they count it down and the fireworks go off at the Bay Bridge. So I usually I'll watch the ball drop in Times Square, and then I'll watch the live uh, on uh, you know wherever they're showing it in San Francisco because okay. I do feel weird watching it twice. Like, I know how it yeah. ends. Yeah, I've always been like, wait, should I watch it now or should I wait till the replay later and go, this has already happened. This I don't know, like, it just hasn't felt the same to me. No. I guess as an adult, like, as a kid, I didn't know and care, but now, I don't know, I just, I just wondered. I watched, I watched the lot, I, I watched both. I watched the New York one live and I watched the San Francisco one live because, you know, you know, there you go. So, um Anyway, so we're 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 welcome to locked on New Year's celebration. Uh, we're getting ready here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this because uh, I, I made a, a, a Jeter comparison to um, Jeremy Pena. God help us all. But uh, I'm going to take another one of the the old evil empire teams, the Red Sox. One of the things that they did very well when they went through that stretch where they would win a world series every four or five years was they made decisions for the team that were not overly emotional. Pedro was the beloved. I mean, Pedro Martinez is my favorite baseball player of all time. I, it's not someone from my childhood. It's Pedro. When he joined the Red Sox, I was already a fan of him from Montreal. When he joined the Red Sox, it became Every day he pitched was like an, uh, a national holiday. Oh, yeah. And I wanted him to finish his career with the Red Sox. And I got mad when the Red Sox only offered him a two-year deal and the Mets offered him a four-year deal. Well, he was basically cooked after two years. And not signing Pedro allowed them to be in a position to trade for Josh Beckett, who became their ace when they won the World Series 
later. There are other players who were, I were, you know, I really loved Derek Lowe. I loved Kevin Euclid. I loved John Lester. All these players who they wound up letting skedaddle, but eventually it allowed them from, to bring in another arm, another big name, whether it's Sale, whether it was, um, you know, the, the Boston Strong crew. And in a way, you then moved on. You didn't make decisions to keep a team forever. Kind of what happened with the Philadelphia Phillies when they won in 2008. And they kept that core to the point where it was, they were broken down by the end and they, and not worth, they, they had no trade value. All of the emotion in the world said, Carlos Correa is the Astros. Carlos Correa needs to spend his entire career with the Astros. And as we have, and when he signed the one-year deal with Minnesota, a lot of you, including you, thought he was coming back that spring training. And then he's out in free agency again, and we just had the carnival. In fact, you know, we're, I'm not convinced he's going to report to the Mets. He may, there may, he may have three or four more uniform changes before this is all said and done. Who would have thought that he would spend longer with the Twins than he would have with the Giants? Wow. But but then I almost tied. I I matched Carlos Correa in games played with the Giants, but they allowed them to bring in Pena, and it makes me think that the Astros are going to make the smart decisions to keep this team focused on winning instead of doing victory laps of the past, which makes me really believe that this team is going. If this is the way the team is operating and making smart moves and bringing in Abreu and everything. I think that this team is a surefire bet to win another pen. If you're going to make any bets, oh, we already did the ad. Um, <laughs> tell me your thoughts about making some of the non-emotional decisions that are going to, in the end, keep them in contention for the next bunch of years. Well, I just wrote an article on this, and my article was basically titled Success in the Offseason Doesn't Always Equal Spending. And my tagline was Spending in the Offseason Doesn't Always Equal Success. And I think what the Astros have done is they have a calculated formula of how they want to move forward. They knew exactly what they had in Jeremy Pena. They groomed him in on the taxi squad in the postseason last year. He was fully endorsed by Carlos Correa. And when you have the confidence you do in a player like that, and then you have someone like Hunter Brown come up, who is basically Justin Verlander 2.0, at this point, just when you look at the similarities and the way they deliver the ball, the way they warm up, just everything mechanic-wise, you think maybe you've got a young Justin Verlander on your hands, all the way to not offering Springer a massive contract. Right, not, right. Not getting into a bidding war with Garrett Cole. I don't I don't think Garrett Cole would have stayed anyways. I think he was always always had his eyes set on New York, and there's something to be said about that. But Jim Crane puts, I mean, he's got a $198 million payroll now. He's not a small market team. He's not a small no. spender. He just didn't spend $813 million, um, in free agency like Mr. Cohen did. But this team says, okay, how can we field a team and not just win now but keep winning? Because, see, what the Mets are doing, Sully, is they're doing this because they don't have time to player develop. They have to win now. So it's absolutely necessary to sign everybody they can and their cousin just to get on the team 
to be in contention. Right. Where the Astros, even though they missed two years of a first and second round pick, still continue to produce pitchers like Framber Valdez, Christian Javier. I mean, Peter Mushinsky, um, he, I'm sorry, Parker Mushinsky, who is who's out of Texas Tech, who we had recently. You know, they bring over Ryan Stanek. They bring in, you know, Presley. They they bring over Montero, who is basically a reclamation project and just signed a massive deal three years. A lot of people cringe at the third year. But to hear Rafael Montero talk about how he came from nothing and how this money means so much to his family, and these players have a pride about how they play. The way that the Astros recruit in the Dominican, and they're able to get these players when they're young, when they're unproven, and they sign guys like Al, um, Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez to team-friendly deals. That's what's going right. to keep this thing going. Now, here's the big jigsaw puzzle that's coming up, is can you convince Kyle Tucker to take one of these early deals Deals where you buy out the last couple years of his rookie contract because if you don't, you know for a fact that Kyle Tucker is going to test the market and Kyle Tucker knows exactly how much he's worth. But they make these decisions because they think this is what's best for the team. And if you stay in here at a, like a miserable amount of money and we've got to strap ourselves, and that's what they probably told JV, look, we'll give you one year. We're not going to give you two. We'll give you one. And then if you want to talk again, we can do that. You know, good for JV, 40-something years old, making yeah. 86. I can't imagine. I'm in my 40s, and I can't imagine making $1 million right now. <laughs> but yeah. the Astros, they've, they, they've just done it the right way, and they don't, they don't spend with their hearts. They, they spend with their minds. And you know what? Six straight ALCS, four World Series, two of those winning titles. So it's hard to argue with what they've done. And and look and also and I'm, again I'll just say this right here and now, they have a chance to really be the team of this decade, and to put and to put the controversy. Look, controversies will never go to bed. They they still bring up the flake gate with the Patriots, but this decade with this squad with a, with an almost entirely new group of players, is in position to win the division for the next bunch of years. And with their pitching depth, I like their pitching depth now better than the, than the 2017 team. And that 2017 team had really great pitching depth. It did. You know, did. but I like the depth of this team better. And this team filled in some of the holes that were not there when they won the pennant in 2021. Of course, Verlander being there certainly helped a lot. But right. I think you'll see Hunter Brown and some of those other players step up and start filling in some of the gaps. And I think that you're going to see that it'll be like you're going to see some of the pieces come up like a magic eye drawing. I love making that analogy when you stare at it, then some of the things will eventually rise and, and take the place. I think Valdez is poised to be the next to be the ace. He showed that he is he's a workhorse. I thought he should have got a lot more Cy Young contention, you know, Cy Young consideration last year. I didn't think he should have won, but I right. would have put him. I would have made him a finalist. Oh yeah, you know, but um, but I really I love the way this team is constructed. Yeah, because you have you have Fernando Valdez, your ace. I think Christian Javier is your clear number two. I think McCullers is your three. 
I think one of the key things is that McCullers has a healthy year. And I think the way they do that is they is they go through a load management process with him and have someone like a Hunter Brown or I don't know if J.P. France is going to be up or maybe Brennan Belak because he's an innings eater. You have some of these guys to make spot starts in place of McCullers so he can get a rest. If a phantom injury pops up to elongate him because I want to see McCullers have a full season because I know in his heart he wants to be out on the mound every single time his number's called, and he just hasn't been able to do that healthily. What do you think about Abreu? What do you think? How do you think that I, 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 one of the reasons why I'll tell you, one of the reasons I like the Abreu signing, I, I've always liked Abreu as a player. Um, obviously, he's put up some big numbers with Chicago. You know, he may not have had an MVP season last year, but he's still going to be a threat. You're not asking him to carry this team, you're asking him to be a component of this team. But I think sometimes it's smart to, and the, I, you saw this when the Yankees won all those titles. It's smart to mix things up every once in a while yeah. to bring in someone to say, okay, now we have this person who's adding a slightly different dynamic to this squad. And I think having that big old fashioned smart clubber in the middle of their lineup, I think is going to give them a, a different dynamic uh, run scoring dynamic. And I, you know, and if, and if Brantley can stay healthy for God's sakes, that's yeah. almost like making an acquisition too. Having going into the postseason with Brantley and Abreu, I think gives the offense a, a different dynamic. Exactly, Jose Abreu um, hits three eleven with runners in scoring position for his career, so yeah. that fits in the mix. And literally, we're having a conversation where you possibly will have Kyle Tucker, Jeremy Pena, or Jose Abreu hitting sixth or seventh in this lineup. Yeah. I mean, more than likely, it's probably best to keep Pena second with the protection. I can imagine having Brantley down there. But this lineup is scary good. Jose Abreu, what I love about him and everything I've heard about people from Chicago that have reached out to us and talked to us, they're like, you're going to love Abreu. He's a clubhouse guy. He's a community guy. I don't know if you saw, but the day he signed with the Astros, and is actually um, a friend of mine's, um, I believe it was his cousin's kids, were on a field trip at Minute Maid Park, and they were in the dugout. And Jose Abreu was walking out on the field, and he looked over, and he saw all these kids sitting in the dugout, and he went up and shook every one of their hand. I reposted the video, and I said, okay, which kid would you have been in the dugout, of course, I picked myself to be the first one who was absolutely going bananas. And when he shook his hand, he like freaked out. And But Jose Abreu just comes here. He's a Cuban player. He's a great guy in the clubhouse. He's a perennial all-star. He's a former MVP. And he fits in. He literally had every one of the Astros' numbers saved in his cell phone. And there was one time when they came to Chicago that he bought the entire team a massive Cuban dinner spread for the Astros. I mean, that's the kind of guy this is, and he fits. Guys like that fit in Houston. Yeah. Well, another telltale sign is everyone I know, every White Sox fan I know is like, oh, we lost Jose. We lost Jose because they they loved him. But they were they like, please treat him show. well. You know, yeah. we actually have White Sox fans saying, just go get him a ring. He deserves a ring. And we're like, I'm like, okay, we can do that. Yeah. We'll do that. Why don't we do yeah. that? Yeah, you're a ring dispenser. Trey Mancini. Oh, we love Trey Mancini. Make sure oh, he gets Trey. a ring. Yeah. Good old yeah. Trey. <laughs> get him a ring. 
I want Trey Mancini to resign with the Astros, to, uh, with the Orioles. I think that would be cool. It's like this or beloved Baltimore guy, controversial trade to Houston because mm-hmm. the Orioles were within striking distance of a wild card. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? And then just sort of come back with a ring. So like, okay, I got my ring. Now let's- hey, guys, here's the ring. Adley, lead the way, kid. Yes, I, I got one. Now here you go. All right, we're here. Final segment of the 2022 season. Um, in your honor, because we're gonna we're gonna celebrate New Year's in just a few hours. Um, and uh, here we go. Oh, nice. We got your last bottle of champagne. Uh-oh. This is it. This is this. If there's anything, if there was any drink that H Town Wheelhouse had in 2022, champagne for your uh your team winning that's right your family think about it your your grandson has yet to be alive in a world where the astros are not at least the defending american league champions that's true so now there's so there you go and i'm you know finally you're saying hey my my grandson just wants to see one world series title in his lifetime Exactly. He just wants to see one that he remembers. So let's well, keep this train running, right? By the way, let's we can uh, assuming that we're still doing the Lockdown Podcast Network in 2030. Uh, true, I fully, true. I fully yeah. intend to. We can test. We can test the rule of seven because my my idea of the rule of seven is seven years old is when you start building your first concrete sports memories. And uh, so when your grand your grandson, who by the way, I know you don't want me to say his name, but his name is Bagwell BGO Bell, uh Richard Cruz, Sedeno, Berkman, Morton, Chauncey. Am I right? That's right. There you go. There okay. you go. Yes, yes, you got it right. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. then he's gonna add another one for his conference. He's got Altuve as his confirmation name. Well, but in uh, that- and I have a dog. Okay, Milo, you, you guys so. don't do confirmation names, do you? That's I, that, no, I think, no, we that, don't. I'm a, yeah, no, I'm yeah. No, I'm sorry. That's, that's the, the, the 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 you can take the Catholic out, but there's so there'll always be a little bit simmering somewhere it's all good, in there. It's all good. there. There you go. Well, look at man. Um, I know you don't want this year to end. It's about to, but uh, uh, it's not going to get better than this year for you, even if they win again. Oh, but uh, this is this is a. Uh, Savor these last moments, buddy, because uh, this is this is quite a year for you. No, yeah, it is, and you know, I I think in the beginning of the year, we we had our sights set on as a show that we felt like our team going into this year, even without Correa, was still a, a perennial favorite. Um, we honestly thought, and this is no disrespect to the Yankees, we honestly thought if we met the Yankees in the ALCS that it was going to be World War Three and it was going to go to Game Seven and all the dramatics, and it didn't turn out that way. No. But this team literally set a playoff record, .83 ERA in the playoffs. Uh, Ryan Presley was perfect in the postseason. And, you know, Sully, I was at ALDS game one when Jordan Alvarez hit the walk-off home run. And I can tell you as an Astros fan and someone who follows the team as closely as I do, when Jose Altuve strikes out, in a ninth inning, you kind of lose a little hope because he's supposed to be your little dynamite that sets off the explosion that wins the game. He's the guy that has won the game. And what was funny when he struck out, that was when Pena gets up. Pena has 
two strikes, and what does he do? He gets a single up the middle, and you look on deck, and you're like, oh, that's right. We got Jordan freaking Alvarez. When he hit that ball, Sully, that stadium erupted, and every fan looked at each other and said, Seattle's in trouble. Seattle's in trouble because they were down by four runs twice in that game, and they came back and won. And I think that set the tone. And then you get the 18-inning game with Jeremy Pena. And just you keep building. I was at game one and two of the ALDS, game one of the ALCS, and I attended game six of the World Series with my son. And I'll say this. My son and I are undefeated in playoff games. Since 2015, the Astros have not lost a single game that we've attended. So we space out our playoff games strategically. Because we know perfection's not really something you do a whole lot in baseball. But we do know that game six, I said, you know what, guys, we're going to clinch. And we went. We had a dear friend of ours that's a season ticket holder. I didn't have to pay some gaudy amount for this ticket. I literally paid a little bit under face value for both of them, which was nice. And the memories will last a lifetime. And so thank you, Houston Astros. Thank you, you know, for everybody watching our show, following us. Eric and I couldn't be more thankful. We couldn't be more blessed. Um, the show has really taken on a new form, popping the champagne. That's right, popping bottles. I really wish you would pop that on air so we could get the sound effect. Yeah, well, um, we we just had we just had the carpets cleaned. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Be a good move. No, no, no. That's one way to come home and see all my clothes on the front lawn. Um, <laughs> we don't want that. Well, hey, Brett. H-Town Wheelhouse, congratulations on an incredible year, both with your podcast, your family, and with your team. And thanks so much for, look at, I know you didn't want this year to end, so I figured let's just drag it out a little bit more. Yes, let's just. Tell people where they minutes. can follow you. Tell people where they can join the millions who are enjoying Locked On Astros. Yes, sir. You can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find the show at Locked On Astros on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. You can find our co-host, Eric Talk Strohs, on um, on Twitter as well. But check us out. We may do lives for TikTok. We do live shows a lot of the times. And if you missed our interviews, if you missed our player interviews, check those out. In 2023, we're going to be making it out to spring training the week of spring break. And we are going to do our best to get some player shows, some players on them. Um, I'm employing my son to get some backfields camera work for me with the GoPro cam. So we got a lot of things planned for 2023 and maybe players coming on the show at live events as well. Where do the Astros do their spring training now? They are in West Palm Beach now. It's a joint facility with the Nationals. Okay. I remember they used to be in Kissimmee. Right. When I, right. When, I was, when I was doing my work in Florida they, and, I, and I went to spring training in Vieira. Okay. Which was where the um, the Expos had their spring training facility in Vieira, just outside of Melbourne. Um, but uh, yeah, Melbourne. I was actually born there. Well, you know, that's where we did our the the film. The film that I directed was shot in Melbourne. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I know. I know Melbourne and India Atlantic and Melbourne yes. Beach, Merritt Island. I know all those all those places. Uh, all those places very well. I, I have a very, very soft spot in my heart for Brevard County, Florida. I love Brevard County. Yeah, my but, my dad my dad grew up surfing there. My dad grew, saw all the Apollo launches from the beach. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he actually won a state championship as a football player at Mel High as well back in the 60s. There you go. Well, this is Locked On Brevard County, so thanks for listening in on that. <laughs> well, hey, sending off the year. And oh, by the way, by the way, thanks so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen. Obviously, make your second listen be Locked On Astros. Third listen, have that be Locked On Sports Today. The biggest stories from around the world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Take of the day. Take of the day. Top of the morning to you. Locked On Sports Today is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. You can follow me on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast and subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you sync this up to 11.59 and 50 seconds, then H-Town and I will count out the final moments of 2022. Okay, sync it up now. 10, 10 9, 9, 8, 8 7, 6, 6 5, 5, 4, 4 Three, two, one. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, Happy two, and we are now in 2023. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> this has been a great year. 2022 has been a wonderful year. Thanks for listening, and we're going to have a show on tomorrow. Don't you worry. This has been Locked On MLB. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.